How's all our, our guests? God bless you. Welcome. Great to have everyone together. If you have your Bibles, let's go to 1 Timothy 6. 1 Timothy 6. And I believe this is going to be our last part of this short series entitled The Marks of a Man of God or The Marks of a Man or Woman of God. 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting with verse 11, Paul writes, But you, O man of God, woman of God, you flee from all this. Flee from the false doctrine. Flee from the materialism. Flee from those things that are causing people to fall away from the faith and stray away from the faith. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue or make it your um, ambition, your desire, your energy to reach for righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, the marks of a man or woman of God. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, stir our faith. Father, by Your Spirit, stir us. Give us a greater hunger and thirst to grow, to advance, to take hold of this eternal life to its fullest measure. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. Again, this is our final message in this four-part series. And in our text, we find a title or really a a description that the Apostle Paul uses to, to, to describe or to communicate to his young son in the faith, Timothy, a young preacher. And it's something really that all of us who love the Lord and really appreciate and understand all that Jesus has done for us, it's something we should all strive for. And that's to be called or known as a man or woman of God. You see, this title is meant to do more than just describe Timothy. It's meant to inspire Timothy. And I pray that it would inspire us as we read. Because in the Bible, there are many. There's commandments and there's promises and there's principles. But there's also descriptions. And when you read a description, one of our songs we sang, the new song, it had to do a lot with how the Word of God describes the people of God. And when we see how God describes us, we need to believe that, we need to embrace that, and we need to walk out in that. Can you say amen? Amen. Someone says, I don't always feel like I'm chosen. Well, it doesn't matter what you feel. The Bible declares from the beginning of time, God knew you and God loved you and God chose you and He set His affection upon you. So how you feel, because you might change how you feel now and three hours later, but the Word of God is solid and the Word of God is sure. If God said it, He'll do it. If He spoke it, He'll bring it to pass and you can trust the Word of God. So when I read a description concerning who I am as a son of God or who the Lord desires me to be. I believe it. I reach for it. Here's a description that Paul is saying, Timothy, this describes you, but it's something you're going to need to be reaching for at the same time the rest of your life. It describes who you are, but it's also something that you're shooting for to be more mature in it, more complete in it the rest of your life. So it's a title. 
that's meant to do more than describe him, but to inspire him. And I pray it inspires us as we walk with God. Let us strive to be known as men and women of God, not just churchgoers, not just religious people, not just those that have said a sinner's prayer, but men and women who really live out the faith they profess. Men and women who wholeheartedly love the Lord Jesus and they're not ashamed to say it. Men and women who will make every effort to respond to the Scripture's call that we find here in our text to flee, to follow, to fight, and to ever be faithful. Paul says, flee these things. You're to live a separated life, Timothy. You're not like the people of this world that are over to the materialistic gods. You're not of those that are getting into false doctrines and are straying and leaving the pure faith. No, 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 Timothy. Flee those things and walk separate with your God. Flee those things, but follow after other things. Pursue and make it your godly ambition to mature and to grow and to develop in these other areas. Pursue and demonstrate, he says in verse 11, righteousness. Timothy, live right. You're a man of God. That means your life is governed by the Word of God. You make every effort in life to ask, what is right in the eyes of my God? Because after all, the saved ought to live like they're saved. Can you say amen? Timothy, pursue righteousness and pursue godliness. And where righteousness is the outward acting out or living out of the faith, godliness is an inner awareness that God is here. It's the recognition that wherever I go, I'm in the presence of God. He never leaves me and never forsakes me. And that's a good thing, but it's also something that keeps me pure and clean and sober. It's a God's presence, a God consciousness. It's a recognizing as we walk through life, God is here. It inspires us in our holiness and in our confidence, and of course in our usefulness as we recognize God is here and He'll use me and I see things through His eyes and I respond to His voice. Pursue, Timothy, or follow after righteousness and godliness and pursue faith. If you're going to be a man or woman of God, you're a man or woman of faith. You're someone that trusts in God and you're faithful to God. You have a faith in God, the true and living God. You have a faith in the Word of God that will never change. And you have a faith in the Son of God, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. You're a man or a woman of faith who diligently seek God, who believe the promises of God, who live out the principles of God. And this is a lifestyle. It's not a ritual that we practice once a week or a couple times a year. But this is is the way we live as men and women of God. We walk by faith and not by sight. And it leads to a life of achievement. It leads to a life of present victory. It leads to a life of ultimate approval when we see Him face to face and hear those wonderful words, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. But thou, O man of God, flee from that, but pursue these things. Pursue love. Pursue love if you're going to be a man of God. You've got to be a man of love, for God is love. This is a love for God, and it's a love for others. For the person who truly loves God will also love those God loves. And the Bible says that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. It's a challenging task if we're honest. But when we understand and believe, 
that the Bible says, Romans 5 and 5, that the love of God has been poured out on our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We recognize that when we receive Jesus, we receive His Spirit, and we receive the ability to walk in the love that He demonstrated and that He patterned. Paul says, Timothy, you need to be a man of God. If you're going to be a man of God, there's some things you forsake and there's some things you follow. And you're going to have to reach for righteousness, godliness, faith and love and endurance. Endurance. This is where we left off last time. This is, this is perseverance. Be known by an enduring spirit. Timothy, men and women of God are known by the trait that they're finishers. They don't just begin and fall away. They just don't run three quarters of the race and then no one can find them. They're recognized as their finishers. They stick to it. When things get rough, I read a story, a little line earlier this week about mottos. It was about a motto. There was an explosives company, um, a small company out in Europe. They were used a lot to, des- um, what do you call them, detonate the bombs that were not blown up in World War II. And they'd also work with construction companies, you know, blowing up the buildings and, you know, helping them. And two of the experts um, told about their motto, and you could see it on the back of their t-shirts, their, their hats, side of their vehicles, and the motto of this explosive company was, if you see us running, you'd better catch up. Amen. And I, I said, that's a good motto. Amen. Because the experts are scared and running, man. There's no time for anyone. Hey, look out. Amen. Amen. Right? What do you say? Running from that bear? You don't going to be faster than the bear, just the person next to you. Amen. All right. Another story. Another story. Well, but when I, be, I began to think about mottos, and I said, you know what? One of the mottos men and women of God have to have is simply this, no turning back. Amen. We sing that, especially when we baptize people. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though, though life's not always fair, no turning back. Though hell throws the kitchen sink at me, no turning back. Because I made a decision, and that decision is not for sale. You see, men and women of God don't turn back. And this is a very distinguishing mark. You know, when you identify a flower, a bird, a tree, an animal, what are the distinguishing marks that identify it? And the experts can look at something and identify it. A lot of you guys are fishermen. You pull out ten fish. You can name every fish. I see a fish is a fish. It's a big fish. It's a small fish. But, but uh, you know... <laughs> Is it, can we eat it? That's, that's the only question I'm going to have. How is it when it's fried? Amen. You know, that's, that's where I'm at. But other they can know, no, this is a perch, this is a perch, and this is a trout, and this is a bass. And, and in the same way, there are certain markings that describe the man and woman of God. And again, I'm not talking about just getting into heaven. I know this is a little deep, and I don't want to drift too far. You know, some people make it in barely. In fact, the Bible says God actually takes some people home prematurely so they'll make it in. It's in the book. It's in the book. You go to that great communion chapter, 1 Corinthians 11, you read it and you study it. God says it's better off you you dying prematurely than going to hell. And so sometimes in the mercy of God, you know, it's not God's best. How many know that? But it's better. I mean, that doesn't explain every situation, but I want you to know this. So I'm saying that not everyone that's making to heaven is walking in this level that Paul is calling Timothy to. And that's why we said we want to be known as more than just those that have said a sinner's prayer. 
I want to be known more as just a, a good person, churchgoer. I want to live in such a way where those around us say, that's a man of God. That's a woman of God. On the job, don't even ask him. He don't do the numbers. No, no, that, that, that's, he's a godly man. That's, you see. And that's what we're going for here. And endurance is one of those characteristics that identify the genuine article as opposed to the counterfeit. For the man or woman of God is a finisher. They will have obstacles and there will be setbacks. I wish it wasn't so. There's hindrances and there's heartaches along the way. Every one of us can say amen. And there will be opportunity to turn back. Opportunity sometimes to give up or even compromise the conviction. But the man or woman of God will have none of it. Their faith and their devotion to Jesus is settled and determined. Resolute in conviction, no turning back in spirit. And even if they stumble, oh, hear my voice, and even if they stumble, they get back up, they confess it, and they walk on. For the objective is not perfection, that's an impossibility, but the ability to endure. And then even when something happens, when there's a collapse or a stumble, you don't stay down and you don't give in to the lie of the devil that you can never make it. You get back up and you confess it to God and receive that mercy that's new every morning. And then you walk on in Jesus' name. This is a man or woman that will continue even in the hard places. Sticking to the task. Remaining faithful to the call no matter what. Timothy, this is a necessity. Timothy, you have to pursue endurance and perseverance because following the call of God is not always easy. And the right way is not always the easy way. And there'll be times when you feel like you can't take another step. But even then, you keep looking to Jesus. Even then, you keep believing and standing upon His Word. No one is exempt, Timothy. In fact, the righteous are often the targets of the opposition and the rejection of this world. And an enduring faith is demanded if you desire to be a man of God. For our Savior Himself told us, in this world you shall have troubles. But be of good cheer. He overcame and so shall we. You see, many are here today. And you've served God and you've remained faithful for many, many years. You didn't avoid the challenges, you faced them. You didn't escape every dark night, you went through them. And you have an enduring spirit. You have a spirit that would not turn back. You had a spirit that refused to let go and turn away from your sincere devotion to Jesus. You praised Him through the pain. You continue to hold on to your confession during the crisis and the calamity. And I want you to know, senior saints, those that have run this race for a long time and you've been faithful for many, many years, your God is well pleased with you. I'll talk to someone. You've buried children and and you've gone through hard nights, but the next Lord's day you're in God's house through the ache of the heart, giving praise to whom is worthy of praise. And God wants you to know He's pleased. And God wants you to hear His voice say, continue on. Continue on. Finish strong. Finish strong. I approve of your life and I call you to finish like you began. Can you say Amen. And you younger Christians out there, I'm talking to you loud and clear. You make up your mind that no matter what happens in this life, you will serve the Lord and you will go all the way with Jesus. 
Oh, I wish I could tell you that it's going to be easy. But unfortunately, things happen in marriages and things happen in life. But you must make up your mind regardless of what happens. You will love the Lord and you will serve the Lord and you will never shrink back from walking with Jesus. Somebody say amen. Oh, yeah. We're going to endure. We're going to endure. Because what does it matter? The vapor of life here. If I miss eternity there. That can't be for sale. James 1 and 12. What a beautiful prize. What a beautiful promise. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Who endures when the heat is being turned up. Who keeps plugging along when people are calling them names and making false accusations against them. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, Oh, no, no, God God says the devil's using it to destroy you, but I'm going to use it to develop you. And if you'll keep walking with me through it, one day in glory, another jewel in your crown, another reward for honoring me when it wasn't easy to honor. Because when he has stood the test, tell your neighbor, stand the test, stand the test. You can't, you've come too far to go back now. You've gone through too much to throw away your testimony now. You've been through too much. You've gone through too many things to say it's too late. Hey, keep running, keep walking, keep believing, keep trusting. God is good. Jesus is faithful. The Spirit that raised Him from the dead is in you. You can go a little further. You can sing a little longer. You can trust. You can believe. You can stand firm in the midnight hour and say, I refuse to go back. I refuse to curse God and die. But I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. That God has promised to those who love Him. Hallelujah. An enduring spirit is absolutely necessary. We live in an age where too many are falling away. We live in an age where people are beginning with zeal and then they are no more. But an enduring spirit is necessary if you want to finish your race. Temptations will come and some go back. Tribulations come and some crush under the weight of it. But again, those who want to be men and women of God, they they fix their eyes on Jesus. And they follow the example of their Savior. For the Bible says, who for the joy set before Him. You see, Jesus was motivated by the eternal. Jesus was driven through this life by fixing His eyes on what laid beyond who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising its shame. He finished for is now seated at the right hand of God. And men and women of God will follow the example of the Savior and they'll endure hardship and they'll continue on knowing what really matters is the eternal, not the temporal. They will follow His example and therefore they can testify like the Apostle, I have fought the good fight and I have finished my race. The enduring spirit is necessary to, to, to finish this race. Because if you don't finish, you don't get in. you got to finish. But it's also absolutely necessary to accomplish the task, complete the task that God has given us. 
Obviously, heaven is the ultimate. But we want to be found faithful in the here and now. We want to be faithful in this present life. Therefore, an enduring spirit is necessary. Because God has given each one of us a task, an assignment, a ministry of sorts. And the enemy will try to discourage us, distract us, cause us to become complacent about what really matters. Open doors and opportunities typically come with opposition and resistance. But like Jesus said, we must work the works of Him who sent us. Nighttime is coming. And an enduring spirit is absolutely necessary. Not just getting into heaven, but to being faithful here on earth. And fulfilling the work God has for each one of us. And you go through the Bible and you see the men like Nehemiah. He had to endure opposition. He had to endure the attacks of the anyone to rebuild the wall. And when you're building something for God, or you're restoring something that's been damaged, the enemy will mock and the enemy will jeer. And the enemy will try to do a lot of things to get you to give up and throw up your hands. But Nehemiah endured and he finished the work God called him to do. And again, like Moses, he was called to bring deliverance to a nation. But Pharaoh wasn't an easy target. Pharaoh resisted him and Pharaoh opposed him. But the Bible says that Moses endured because he saw him who was invisible. And you might be dealing with something today and God says you just keep trucking. You just keep believing. Don't let go of the work I have put in your hand. Don't turn away from the calling I have placed in your life. It's not time to give up. It's time to trust me a little longer. To believe my promise. To stand firm on my word. It's time to draw near. It's time to get a fresh drink of that river of life. And then get back into the battle and believe God for this mountain shall be real. Endurance. Having an enduring spirit. A spirit that's not easily disqualified, discouraged, offended, set back. Absolutely necessary to complete the work God's called you. What does it take to get you off your game? What does it take to get you to give up? What does it take to go from God called me this and two months later, God, God, God's not schizo. The way some people talk, you know they're not hearing God. God don't change his mind that much. No, no, no. Tell your neighbor, you know that's right. Go ahead. You know, you know that's right. There are some people, God talked to them every two minutes. Well, the Lord said, move the air up. God, the Lord said, move the air down. My Lord, are we going up or down here? You know what I mean? <laughs> Hallelujah! Woo! Woo! I'm feeling good about now. Hallelujah! I thought endurance. You got endurance. Endurance. Uh, I remember Greg Pruitt. Greg Pruitt, two-time Heisman Trophy winner, right? Greg Pruitt. He had a quote one time. One time he was quoted. Maybe he didn't make it up, but he's, he wasn't a big stature, but he was a great running back. And he said, "It's not the size of the dog in the fight." It's the size of the fight in the dog. Enduring spirit. We're going to take some blows in a fight of faith. Amen? We're going to take some shots that we didn't see coming. That, that buckle you, but enduring spirit. i got to get back up. i got to keep pressing on. Oh my God, i got to. And, and, and here, an enduring spirit is necessary to finish and complete our test, but also to claim the present blessings that God desires. 
for us to enjoy in the here and now. You see, the promises of God must be pursued if they're really going to be possessed and received. And often, one must press his way through the spiritual resistance and opposition in order to break through to victory. Let me give you some examples. Many a miracle in the Bible required the endurance or the perseverance of faith. And Jesus applauded these men and women. For example, Luke 18. He tells a story about this, this, this poor widow and an unjust judge. And he would keep refusing her, rejecting her, wouldn't give her the time of day. But she kept coming. She kept pressing. She wouldn't give up. She kept saying, give me justice. Give me justice. It was a beautiful thing. Give me justice. And finally that old judge said, I don't fear God and I don't fear man, but this woman's driving me crazy. I'll just give her what she wants. And Jesus said, that's the kind of faith I'm looking for when I come back. He says, when the Son of Man returns, will He find faith? Faith like that woman that wouldn't let go, that had an enduring spirit that said, give me what I need. Give me what I need. Give me. I press. I believe. I won't take no for an answer. And there's another woman. There's always a woman, it seems. No, there's a woman. In Mark 5, that woman with the issue of blood. Amen. Remember her? She had a press to the crowd. you got a crowd that's trying to keep you from God's best. Do you have a crowd? It might be a crowd of disappointment. It might be a crowd of rejection. It might be a crowd of nobody wants to. It might be any kind of crowd that's trying to keep you from receiving the touch from God. The Bible says in Mark 5, there was a woman with an issue of blood and she's hemorrhaging for years and years. And finally, when she hears about Jesus, she gets a thought of faith and she says, if I know if I just touch the hem of His garment, if I can just touch Him, I believe I can be healed by him but she had no one to go with her she had no one to help her through this crowd she had to go it alone sometimes you just have to know how to go it alone in faith sometimes other people don't understand you other people they, they just don't get it but you know God has spoken you know the word of God is real and you got to make up your mind sink or swim if I got to go it alone I will press through the crowd I will stand on the word and I will touch the hem of his garment Hallelujah! I mean, you know, sometimes you ladies, you, you go to one of these big fairs with a crowd. You go into a ball game and you're leaving, and, and people are everywhere. You're going to get trampled on. And what do you do? You grab the back of your husband's pant, and he just leads through. So you got a big husband. He's a big. He makes his own way. He makes a way, and you just follow through him. This poor woman had no man, had no one to help her. Didn't have a big six foot three grandson to lead her through. Had no one, but she had faith. Not just faith, but an enduring faith. A persevering faith. And she pressed through. I mean, she'd been bleeding for a decade. I mean, she's bleeding. Hurting. But she desperate. She pressed through. Touched the hem of his garment. And Jesus said, woman, your faith. What kind of faith? An enduring faith. A persevering faith. Not my gift. Your faith healed you. Not because I called you out, but I was just passing through. You pressed in. You made it happen. Your faith believed and your faith acted and your faith endured and overcame every resistance and every hindrance. Your faith has made you whole. Oh my. We go on and on with this principle. You'll see it throughout the Word of God. Every now and again, even God lets a man get in on the action. Amen. 
Remember them four men that had a buddy that was paralyzed? They said, well, we heard Jesus. We heard this Jesus. He heals people that are paralyzed. And we're going to do a good deed. We're going to take you to Jesus. Four of them carrying them on a mat. But when they finally get there, they can't get near the place. I mean, even all them religious people, no one had compassion. You think someone let the poor guy through? <laughs> Are you kidding? They were waiting all night to get that seat. They're not letting it go. They're sitting there. They're sitting in the windows. They're sitting in the steps. They'd come all this way. It would have been easy to say, hey, we tried. We meant well. Let's go back home. Maybe it wasn't meant to be, but not these men. Thank God, finally some men have an enduring faith to believe God and to go through, tear off the roof if you got to. But you got to get people to Jesus if we can just get you. I mean, hey, pastoral philosophy is simple. If I can get you in love with Jesus, if I can get you to read the Word and stay in that spirit of prayer, you're going to be alright. You're going to make it. You're going to live more than a conqueror. Why? Because if you get Jesus, you got it all. Oh! Get on fire for Jesus. Love Jesus more than all the things and all the... Oh, God. Roof tearing faith. Someone had given up. Said it must not be God's will. Well, you have what you want. I got to get to Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. And the Bible says Jesus saw their faith. What kind of faith? What enduring faith? I refuse to give up faith. Hallelujah. Oh, we got to go. We got to go. Oh, I preach this one. Once you get into the Gospels, you can go on forever. Isn't that right? Oh, my Lord. Somebody go ahead and touch the hem of his garment. Someone, you just keep pressing. You're closer than what you know. You're closer than what you know. You're closer than what you know. Stretch forward. No, no, no. Stretch forward. Stretch forward. Keep giving it. Keep straining. Keep pressing. You're going to touch it and that virtue will flow. Oh, but thou old man of God, flee these things and follow after. Pursue after. Pursue faith. Pursue love. Pursue righteousness. Pursue godliness. Pursue endurance. Pursue gentleness. Woo! How, where's that come in? We just elbowing people to get through the crowd. Now we've got to be gentle. I'm telling you, being a man of God is something. Being a woman of God is something. This word gentleness, only time this particular, the way it's written in the Greek, only time it's used in the Scripture. It's got a lot of cousins, a lot of cousins out there, gentleness, meekness. But this particular, only time it's used. Strange word. To, to interpret. But basically, all right, man of God, you're going to have faith. You're going to have endurance. You're going to have gentleness. You, you, you're going to be tamed by the Spirit. There's going to be a meekness and a reasonableness. You're not quarrelsome. You're not abrasive. You're even tempered for the most part. And this speaks of a person that is, how can we say it, harnessed, tamed, controlled by the Spirit of God. To such a degree that they can forgive when it's time to forgive and they can fight when it's time to fight. That they, they, they can speak up when they want to say nothing and they can hush when they want to say a whole lot. Why? Because they are controlled by the Spirit. Oh, pursue to walk in this. The word was all the cousins of this. The word was used. Blessed are the meek. That word meek is the word they would use in the old days when you would break a horse, when a horse would become broken or tamed. It's the same word. Jesus saying, blessed are, blessed are those that have been so broken by the Holy Spirit that they're harnessed by the Spirit. 
And that horse doesn't lose its power. Now that power is under control of the master. Instead of that power being dangerous and a waste, now that power is useful because now it can be steered and controlled by the master. So gentleness, Timothy, if you're really going to be a man or woman of God, you just can't blow off of the handle. You just can't run when you want to run. You are submitted. You are under the control. You are tamed by the Spirit of God. But let's be honest. There's times you want to speak up and God says, hush. I want to hush. I want to let them know how I feel. God says, not if you're going to stay in the Spirit. Other times, like, Lord, I just, I can care. I want to go home. God says, oh, no, no time to go home. Time to speak up. Oh, Lord, if I speak up, God says, you're going to be led of the Spirit or not. So led of the Spirit means that, led of the Spirit. Wow. Let's Let's move. Let's move. Hallelujah. But thou, O man of God, flee. Follow, fight. Look at that verse 12. Fight the good fight of the faith, taking hold of eternal life. And I like the PowerPoint. Because literally, keep on fighting. The way it's written, it, it constantly fight this good fight of faith. And we fight for the faith, and we fight for the blessing. You know, to think about this. Now, Paul is writing specifically about the faith. The doctrine of truth. The body of truth. He's saying, Timothy, you you keep on fighting. This word for fighting is the word we get agonized. Agonizo. And it's used to describe either an athlete or a soldier. Someone that gives their very best to win the prize or to be triumphant in battle. It speaks of men and women of God have to give an effort to become men and women of God. It doesn't take a lot of effort just to cruise control in. But to constantly grow and obey and endure, it takes an effort on our part. And simply, this word describes a person straining and giving their best to win the prize or to be triumphed in the battle. It speaks of one that exerts every ounce of energy to win. It describes the concentration, the discipline, the extreme effort of a victorious athlete. Or a victorious soldier. The man or the woman of God must be willing to give effort to become and to remain men and women of God. You see some people that walk with God and then you don't see them for a decade and you run into them in the store and say, my Lord, if they're still saved, it's barely. And somewhere along the way, they stop reading the book. Somewhere along the way, they stopped honoring God's house. I've seen them. I remember one time I was working a part-time job in between college semesters at a farm and family center. <laughs> that was an experience. And, um, and someone showed up, and I knew the guy. He didn't remember me, but when I was just maybe 10 years old, he was at the Bible school I wound up graduating from, and he was on one of those singing groups. And they came to our church, so I knew him. And I can still remember as an 8 or 10 year old, he was on fire. I remember the music group. Oh, it was so exciting. But back in those days, the music in Pentecostal churches, well, okay, anyway. But um, so, so when this group came from the college, it was exciting for a young guy. Man, it was good. And I was blessed as a young kid. I just remember God stirring my heart. And I remember him. Because he had an arm. It was a little, little withered. And I, so I kind of, I remembered him. And so he didn't, by that time, you know, I, 10 years had gone by and, you know, 
I had gone from, you know, and um, he didn't know me. But I'd take him outside. He was looking at some tanks. Wanted to buy some water tanks and whatever you feed the horses with, the cows, whatever. And I noticed, I heard a word come out of his mouth. Another word come out of his mouth. I said, he'd gone back, slid on us. After that third time, I said, enough. I said, hey, you don't remember me, do you? I'm going to bring it on home. I said, you know, I remember when you, you were part of Elam Bible Institute, the traveling team, his face. He was kind of a redheaded guy, but it got whiter. His complexion got whiter than, you know, even a redhead. You know, he got whiter than why he got white. I go, man, where are you going to church? You know, he started all that stuff. There was a man eight, eight years ago. He inspired me. His zeal. I, remember, I talked to him after the service. And I remember he encouraged me in the Lord. And here these years later, he began to break. We're out there in the, in the, where you store the tanks. Out in the lot, he began to break. He said, oh man. He said, I got out of Bible school and I had debt. I don't know why I'm telling this story. It's kind of the notes. You gotta watch that debt. So I had to start working. My first year at the car dealership on Utica, New York. The car dealerships all along Yorkville Drive, up Boulevard there. Commercial Boulevard. And he goes, that first year I made, he said, it was a great figure. And I paid off my debt, but then I got into more debt and I'm so good at selling cars that I never did pursue ministry. And then little by little, something happened at the church I was attending, and I got offended. Pouring out his heart. I was, hey, you know, brother so and so starting a church, blah, 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 blah. and God began to turn things around. And just because you were one time a man or woman of God doesn't mean you're it right now. It takes a discipline and a devotion. To maintain and keep it, or you can fall away. And even if you don't lose your soul, ultimately, you're certainly going to lose your testimony. You're going to lose the privilege of what God had ordained for you to do on the earth. But Timothy, now fight the good fight of faith. The word faith, it's speaking of the doctrines of the Bible, the once and for all doctrines of the Bible. We have to fight for solid doctrine. We have to fight for men and women of God. We have to be firm in our commitment to the truth of the gospel. We live in an age where there's so much fall, so much corruption, so much deception. Entire denominations are falling away from honest Bible preaching. We live in a culture where they're accepting things that God said it's wrong, it's wrong, in a million years it will be wrong. Jude 3, Jude 3. Here's our scripture. I'm down here so I can finish up. Dear friends, Jude writes, although I was eager to write to you about the salvation we share. Jude says, you know what? I just want to write you a letter of encouragement that we can rejoice and celebrate about the good things we have in Jesus. Right? Dear friends, I wanted to write this letter. Just, just, hey, let's talk about the good things we have in God. But I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith once and for all entrusted to the same. As I began to write this letter of just talking about the good things of God, the Spirit compelled me and constrained me and said, "Uh uh-uh, it's time to shift gears. You've got to urge them. They have to contend or fight for the faith once and for all entrusted to the saints. So men and women of God, we've got to be people committed to doctrinal truth, to Bible truth, and to Bible purity. 
We cannot allow just everything that comes over the airwaves to be accepted. It all must be lined up to thus saith the Lord. The Word of God must govern us as individuals and as a corporate body. If we're going to be men and women of God, we have to be serious and sincere about defending the faith and standing firm and uncompromising about the cardinal truths of the Gospel. Can you say amen? But there's something else we want to fight for. I want to fight for the blessing. Men and women of God, we have to appreciate and be willing to care for, contribute to, and courageously fight for the blessing. Someone say, what's that? Well, most of you can look to your left and your right and see the blessing. See the blessing. You take out your wallets, or nowadays people have phones. You can tell where I'm at. I still have to carry pictures and wallets. But you can take out that phone, look at all them grands, and fight for the... Nehemiah 4 and 14. We've got to know what's at stake here to be a man or woman of God. Nehemiah was sent to rebuild the walls of the city. And every enemy of God tried to intimidate him, assault him, discourage him. And here he's motivating the, the, the troops. And he says, I, I looked things over, and I stood up and I said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, here it is, don't be afraid. Heads of households, don't be afraid. You remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight. Remember what's at stake. Remember what really matters in this earth and fight for your brothers and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. The man or woman of God will fight for the blessings of God. You'll fight for your children. You'll fight for your marriage. You will fight for, for the grandbabies. You will fight with weapons of righteousness. You will fight recognizing it's a spiritual warfare. You will fight with your life's devotion. You will fight with faithful prayer. You will fight with a discipline that honors God's house and walks with God. Oh, somebody, men and women of God, you have to fight not just the fight of faith, for the gospel truth, but you must fight for those God has given you. Those that God has entrusted to your care. Don't take that lightly. You've got to recognize what is at stake. That's why it's so important to love the Lord and serve God and honor God's house because you have been given precious ones that God wants you to be their shield and their covering. And hell wants to take them out. And hell wants to see them backslidden. And hell wants to see them a mess. But you, O oh man of God, you fight Fight the good fight of faith. You recognize the blessings that God has given you. And like Shama of old, everyone else can run. But you take your stand in the pea patch of God's blessing and you say, bring them on. I won't be moved in the name of the Lord. First Timothy 5 and 8. We're going to fight for the blessing. I've got to fight for the blessing. We're fighting for the blessing. That's why you're dragging them. But you're fighting for the blessing. That's why you don't compromise when you know right is right and wrong. I'm fighting for the blessing. Now, if you grew up in an Italian church, after John 3.16 and maybe Ephesians 2 and 8, they quoted this one all the time. Along with, if you don't work, you don't eat. They, 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 none of them made a lot of money, but man, they weren't lazy, I'll tell you that. I mean, <laughs> they weren't very well. I mean, they were, but they worked. I'll give them that much, that group. But here it is. Old King James, what's it going to say? Infidel. Remember as a kid reading infidel, saying, what in the world is that? You see that on the cartoons, you know what I mean? Some guy with a curved sword. It's nuts. Anyway, if anyone were, were, were fighting for the blessing, you've got to fight for the blessing. 
No, no, no. God's going to hold me accountable. I got to fight for the blessing. I got to defend that blessing. If I got to go nights in prayers and intercessions, fight for that blessing. Isn't that right? The devil can't have those grandbabies. Can't have them. Can't have the greats. Uh-uh. Pick on another family. Don't love God. This family loves God. This family's in covenant with God. This family dedicates them in the house of God. No, 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 devil. You know, uh-uh. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse. Is worse. That's, that's worse than an unbeliever. Worse than an infidel. And we thank the Lord. That as men and women of God, yes, 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 obviously the context is providing physical provision and protection. But going beyond that, what good is it to give them every piano lesson and every new pair of athletic shoes if you didn't care for their soul? And they didn't really come to know Jesus. And they didn't really come to be on fire for God. Well, what good is it to provide all those other things and they're good and that's part, but, but don't forget the most important thing. As we wind down fighting the good fight of faith, fighting for the faith, we have to be men and women of the book. Men and women of solid doctrine. Doesn't matter what Congress says, what does the Bible say? Doesn't matter what, what does the Word of God say? But we also recognize that as men and women of God, God has entrusted blessings to us. And we are called to defend the blessings and care for the blessings, contribute to the welfare of the blessings, fight to defend the blessings. Let me give you three things that will help you fight for the blessing. Number one, let Jesus be Lord of your home. Very simple. We get complicated but if you can get the basics down, trust me, you, you can do a whole lot just basic. Basic pillars. Let Jesus be Lord of your home. They'll be in your home a lot more than they're in this home. And this is reality. Let Jesus be Lord of your home. And if He's not Lord of you, He's not going to be Lord of your home, obviously, right? Let Jesus be Lord of your home. Secondly, let His Word be the rule of your home. This is okay. I'm love Jesus is the Lord here. Well, how do I let him rule? Through his word. Let his word be the rule of your home. We make decisions. We make standards. We make priorities. The word of God. The word of God. Isn't it wonderful? God gave us a book. Isn't that good? I mean, God gave us a book. You don't even have to be, I mean, if I had to be a genius, I couldn't read it. You mean just anyone can read it and receive from it? But then number three, as you lead, head of the home, as you lead, remember, we're leading, but we're also demonstrating or modeling. One of the greatest ways to lead is to model. As you lead, may faithful attendance to his house be the custom of your house. said it before, God's going to treat your house like you treat his. Sowing and reaping. It's just, it's in the book. I mean, it's just, you can't, you can't get away from that. You know, the Bible says of Jesus that on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue as was his custom. 
That's what Luke's gospel says. Jesus' custom was, on the Lord's day, I go to the Lord's house. So, heads of homes, as you lead, may faithful attendance to his house be the custom of your house. Now, three little things. But if we just practice, I mean, it wasn't 20 rules, was it? It wasn't 50, but three little things. And if we just walk in this, automatically, we're contributing to the blessing. We're protecting the blessing. We're creating a shield around the blessing. We are positioning the blessing to receive from this way and that way. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Isn't God good? Well, thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Oh, man. Hold another strength. Taking hold of eternal life. Taking hold of eternal life to which you were called. Of course, Timothy was saved. What's he talking about? He's saying, Timothy, you're saved. Now get a full grip on this salvation. Now get the full measure of the blessing of this salvation. Amen. If you're hurting, get a hold of divine healing. It's flowing today. If you're hungry and thirsty, get a hold of that baptism in the Holy Ghost. Get a fresh filling. It's there for you today. Are you battling confusion? Get a hold of the wisdom and the mind of Christ that's available to those that will draw near and ask. Oh, my. That's a whole other message. Take a hold. Oh, what a thought. Take hold. He's not saying get saved. He's saved. He's a preacher. He's saying get a hold of the full measure of this life. Don't just skim the surface. Dive in and enjoy the fullness of abundant life that Jesus desires you to Oh, hallelujah. Woo. Oh, Lord. I'm going to pray and then we're going to open the altar. If you'd like just to come and pray, please do. If you would like prayer, just come and stand and someone will pray with you. But I pray. Let's make the effort. I don't want to just get in. That's kind of selfish when you think of all Jesus has done. Amen? I want to give my best to God. I want to strive to grow in the things of God. Stand with me, please. Stand with me, please. So we open. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for the encouragement of your word. We thank you, Lord. We receive this message that was written to Timothy so long ago. Inspired by the Spirit. Father God, we receive this description, a man or a woman of God. For we choose, O God, not merely to be known as good churchgoers, religious people of sorts, but we yearn and we will strive to become men and women of God. Men who walk close to Jesus each and every day. Men that are pursuing the righteous attributes that the Spirit has called us to pursue. Men and women that are fighting the good fight of the faith. Standing on the Word. Believing the Word. Being willing to put on that armor of God. And take our stand to defend our loved ones and our children and our children's children.
Father, help us to apply these principles. Jesus, please be Lord of our homes. Jesus, let your word govern our lives and rule our homes. And Jesus, help us to imitate you and may our custom be that our house will honor your house and it will be our custom to seek you in your house on your day. Now, Father, I just pray as we open these altars, you know every need and every situation. I pray whoever's here today, Lord, that you would indeed encourage their faith. Maybe someone's here today and they just need to recognize that if they've cooled down, they can heat up. If they're going through a season of struggling, your grace is sufficient. And as they keep looking unto you, you will renew their strength and you will give them the victory. Their breakthrough is coming. It's closer than they first believed. Father, I pray that that virtue, that same virtue, that healed that hemorrhaging woman, Father, I pray that virtue of Jesus Christ would flow at this altar right now. That those that come with a faith that will respond will receive the touch of heaven's power. Now, Father, as your men and women, we choose to pursue, we choose to strive, we choose to give you our very best that we will be known as men and women of God. Father, bless your people. Right now, touch every life, answer every cry, in Jesus' name and all God's people said. These altars are open. If you want to come and pray, come and pray. If you need prayer, come and let someone touch you and God will do a work in your life.